you are singing well and such. If I start a little fuzzy, I think I set myself on a lot too fast. The series that we have been in that we're coming back to is the joy of knowing is a study in First John. And as we have been studying First John, we've seen the great and blessed promises of our God and how He has provided for us salvation and how by His grace He keeps us. And so as we look at this morning, I ask you to turn to First John chapter 5, verse 13. First John 5, 13. When you have it look this way, we'll pray and ask God's help to understand His word today. Gracious God, by your mercy, we are here today. We are here by divine appointment. You have brought us here from many different areas of the country and even from around the world. Some are coming back as students to face another year. We pray your blessing upon them. Others of us in the daily work of our lives, whether on a job or at home, I bless you have appointed for us today to be here. And so, God, I pray that you would meet with us. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit would be poured out in this place, that your word would have free reign and power in our hearts, that we would not resist but yield to the power of the Spirit as we see the work that God has done for us. And so, oh Lord, we praise your name and we come to you asking your help. But may we not resist. May we see who you are the great redemption that was paid for us, and may we go from this place with the joy of our salvation, rejoicing in the new life and the eternal life that we have in you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I write quotes. I don't always remember them unless I write them down. But one quote that I'm sure almost all of you have heard about, uh, heard is this one, especially April 15th, Nothing is certain except death and passes. I believe that was Benjamin Franklin who said that. He started us off well, didn't he? Um, another famous American, Clint Eastwood, said if you want to guarantee by a toaster, I'm not quite sure what the context was. And then we've heard all of our lives that money doesn't guarantee success. Many have uh, built a, a legacy coming from nothing. But guarantees. We like certainty in life. We would love certainty in life. We don't often get certainty in our life. Not really. Tomorrow may be very different than today. Even if you knew, living in Texas, that a hurricane was bearing down upon you this weekend, you didn't know exactly what the result would be. Life is not certain. We would love someone to guarantee us that there would be no pain, that all the relationships would be mended and would not fracture in the first place. We want to guarantee that we all will be comfortable and not with lots of extra pains and debt. But there are no guarantees in life. Or at least not the things that many people long for. It seems that when life is hardest, 
We often want to pull back and let ourselves and protect ourselves, hoping to guarantee our own best interest, but then we also fail ourselves. Since we often so deceive ourselves, we cannot trust ourselves. In broad Christianity, we find comparing and competing philosophies and standards so much so that sometimes it's confusing about what to believe and who to believe. You turn on TV and you see a myriad of different philosophies and different people smiling at you wanting your money. As we come to the passage in 1 John, John, the beloved disciple, John, the apostle who loves greatly, is writing to a people who are in the midst of turmoil. In fact, within their congregation, there have been those who have left who have been with competing philosophies or ideas about who Jesus is. Some saying that Jesus was not fully human, or others, Jesus was not fully God, or others, maybe there's no such thing as eternal life. But all that there is is right here. And so John writes to people who are in great turmoil, who, if possible, would like to have a guarantee about what is true, what is real for them. And so he writes, and he gives us here, and this is the passage where he is, he is as it were, ending the plane at the end of his letter. He's telling this plane, and he declares now in verse 13 what he's writing about. He's giving us a guarantee. And his guarantee is this, and we'll look at it and then we'll kind of dissect it a bit. This guarantee is those who believe in Jesus may know that they have eternal life. Those who believe in Jesus may know that they have eternal life. Not hope so, not maybe so, not think so. Those who believe may know. Verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. These things I have written, what things? Well, without going over verse by verse detail of all of the the preceding letter that he's written, chapters 1 through 1, let's wrap it up a bit, kind of encapsulate these things. Now, it's interesting that John has, before, written kind of an end cap in the gospel he wrote. He wrote an end cap, there he said, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He's writing the, in the gospel that you may believe now he's writing this letter that they may know. So what has he written? He has written that to know Jesus is to know the Father. He's written to know Jesus is to practice righteousness. The ongoing practice, and on the flip side is to not practice, not to be a practitioner of unrighteousness or of sin. To know Jesus is to walk in obedience. This practicing of righteousness is something that Though, as Martin Luther said, the, the needle may sometimes shake from north, but it always finds, for the believer, it always finds again the north, the true north, the practicing of righteousness, the following God. To know Jesus, to know sins are forgiven. Which I might well know. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To know, to know Jesus. Also, He writes, you know Jesus, not only sin forgiven, but those who know Jesus are not love the world. 
and they love and follow after the Lord instead of following after Jesus. And so the end of you kind of just these red things that are naturally just a bit here is to know Jesus, but also to know Jesus is to know the Father. That relationship, you do not know God the Father without knowing Jesus. Also to know Jesus is to practice righteousness. The believer is to be a practitioner of the things that are right, that they have rightness in them. Follow Jesus, the practitioner of righteousness, one knows joy when Jesus loves one another. That is the mark from not only in the Gospel of John, but here in the letter that he writes, his first letter, to follow to know Jesus, is to know eternal life. So these things are written to you who believe. So as we kind of break this down, these are the things he's written now. What is this about believing? What does it mean to, mean to believe in the name of the Son of God? Well, briefly, if you know anything about John, he read his writing, the Son of God you know, equals Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, he said in 2031, uh, the Gospel. Um, it says uh, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So it's first of all to know Jesus, but it's more than that. To believe in the name of the Son of God is the same as believing in the person. In fact, one commentator said is believing into the name. The believing into the person of Jesus Christ. It's not believing about or knowing something about him or saying he was a good man or a good teacher, but believing, placing our trust, our faith actively in this one who is Jesus Christ. That faith, the active, the active faith is picture of entering the living union with Jesus, the Son of God. It's not something we do at a distance. Yes, I think I believe that he is. He was Jesus. He was God. I think I believe that he lived and he died. No, it's an active union together, believing, trusting, placing faith in him. Now, this is not new to John, as the writer John 3, 18, the gospel. He who believes in him is not judged, him being Jesus. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only God, the Son of God. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe, believe in his name. This understanding of believing is not just a non-judgmental assessment of Jesus being God, but it's a placing of full faith and trust upon Him. And His trust in Him is not all about our trust in the size of our faith. He said, "But I don't have the ball. I would have brought you a, a picture of a mustard seed that's very uh, uh, end of a pencil, probably two or three times larger." And he talks about that it's not the size of our faith, but it is the object of our faith, Jesus. So we understand these things I have written that you may know. That you may try life who believe, who believe to what end? This end of eternal life. Let's think about this a bit. As we understand eternal life, he's writing. First of all, to believers. Understand, this is the end of a letter to people in a congregation, probably in some part of the Middle East, uh, maybe to a holy friend of mine there. Well, he's writing to these people who believe God, who are children of God, but they have doubts now because of those who are trying to deceive them. And so he wants them to know that there is eternal life, 
and that eternal life is in Christ. In Christ. These things that you may know. We've thought about this word know. It's more than an intellectual assessment that I said already. But it is an experiential knowledge. It's something that you have experienced. You see, you understand, you see the facts, the history of it. You see the, the union with Christ, which you have now experienced being in Christ. And so you know. And here's the problem. They were, they were hearing all these things that were being tempted to doubt. They were being tempted to doubt that, that what God had said was true, or what they had heard alone was true. He says, you may know that you have eternal life. So he writes this to us. He writes this. He told life. Now, let me understand. I'm going to back up here a second. Let's think about eternal life. Eternal life is more than just life in the hereafter forever. And it's a negative connotation. See, how can it be a negative connotation in eternal life? Well, think about this. The one who has eternal life does not perish. Okay? That's a good negative, isn't it? The right hand has eternal life that John describes escapes permanent death. That is something that we want to, the negative consequence that the one who has eternal life escapes. The one who has eternal life is not separated from God for eternity. The one who has eternal life does not endure God's wrath for eternity. It's also positively described. Possibly the Gospel of John, the one who had eternal life, as John writes, it's like a well of water figuratively springing up with him. This eternal life is, is now present within us to extend to the future. It's certain the future, but it begins today. It begins that day upon which you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Eternal life is described by John as being raised by Jesus on that last day. Even if we die a physical death, eternal life guarantees us life with Him forever. And our physical body will be raised to be a spiritual body on that last day. The one who has eternal life in John Christ in John 10, 10 has life more abundant. An abundant life through Christ. The one who has eternal life is a life eternal with Jesus because He is the resurrection and the life. And he knows that the key here is Jesus. The key in every aspect is Jesus. It's not ourselves. It's not our works. It's not how much we do after the fact of receiving Christ. The key here is Christ. And Christ alone. Jesus speaking to Martha. And she mourned her brother Lazarus as his death. Jesus said to her in John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, will live even if he dies. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asks, Would you believe this? And Jesus then raises Lazarus from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. The passage we read in John 14 from our scripture reading Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place eternal life. Eternal life with Christ, eternal life is secure. So why does he write? Well, he writes this to a people 
who are in turmoil, who are in trouble, who have been deceived, who write these things for this reason. That they might have, first of all, assurance. Assurance. See, doubt is the enemy of faith. Jesus saves, we believe. And I find it um, often those of us who have made a profession of following Christ at an early age, often it seems to be in the teen years, kind of struggle with assurance of that. Did we do it right? Kind of a thought that comes to us. Did I say the right prayer? Which points out a little bit of problem in our thinking it is of Christ. As we place our faith in Him, He saves us. Assurance is bound up in Jesus. For those who believe it is in Christ that they have assurance in their life, the doubts, it's not up to my works, it's not up to the things that I say, it is all about Jesus Christ. He is the key to our assurance, and we may know, we may know that we are guaranteed eternal life. Secondly, he writes for confidence. He writes not only for assurance for us, but he writes to give us confidence. Confidence in our God. And he has written throughout the whole letter of who God is, of the Father, of what God has done, Jesus Christ in salvation, of forgiveness of life in Christ, of a union with Him, to give us confidence that God Himself loves us and cares for us, and He Himself provides salvation and eternal life, and there is confidence in the power of God to save us. So there's not any assurance, it's confidence. <clears throat> confidence in our great God. And Satan never tempted you not to have confidence in your salvation. It's often because we lack confidence in ourselves. Confidence in ourselves is never the answer. Confidence in God is always. God sees us through our trials. He sees us through the turmoil that we endure. His grace is sufficient. Not only in salvation, but in daily walks. See, eternal life reminds us of this God who can set the fire spell this God who can create a place for us in heaven eternally is now also actively engaged in our lives as we place our lives within His grasp and His control daily. And we have the confidence that He leads and He guides. See, I don't have the confidence stands almost, almost always in our pride and our, our self worth as we think instead of God. And here eternal life, John writes in the confidence in God and God alone. The trial has come away. Confident God knows all things. He worketh all things to his glory and your best good. Thirdly, peace. He writes so that we might have peace. As I said before, turmoil in a body, such as the one that First John is written to, is one that's troubling. Unrest is there. He's writing to calm the fear. Uncertainty is the enemy of peace. You notice that? If you're unsure, there's a restlessness. There's something within your soul. You're not quite confident. There's no assurance. And so there's no peace found in the heart. 
which is of a certainty is the enemy of our peace, but he writes of, of a certainty of knowing, of a guarantee, as he writes of this, we have peace. This God does not leave us without peace. My peace I give as you, not the word given to have you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but you've also peace through Christ, his finished work on the cross, his resurrection, and the confidence that we know that he is preparing a place for us gives us peace. See, we currently possess eternal life. We will know more fully one day when we step foot in heaven, eternal life, but we, it is currently our possession. As we say, the Lord hastes the day when, my, when the face shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. Trump shall resound, the Lord shall be said, even so it is well with my soul. And that is the peace that comes to the believer who is secure and confident in the knowledge that salvation is in Christ. The one who knows that the act of faith is in Christ, not in another, not in ourselves. There is peace. Peace for the believer. Peace in our soul. So, my friends, that is an unshakable guarantee for the believer. That is an unshakable guarantee. The guarantee is not based upon our ability, not based on the size of our faith, but based on the eternal word of God. The promises that we know are sure and true that we have eternal life for those of us who believe in the name of Jesus. Well, I don't know the doubts of your heart, believer. I don't know all the discouragements that you face. But I do know that if you are believing in the child of God, that you may have peace, you may have confidence, and you may have assurance. For myself, I find that my focus is much too narrow. As a child of God, I offer my focus is upon me, the next step, what is right in front of me. I have trouble lifting up my head and seeing the plan of God and what he's doing. And even if I don't know three steps down the road, I know what he's doing in this earth to, to bring men, women, and boys and girls to his kingdom. And that I have to be a part of that great work. I know that a peace and assurance if I am in that business. You don't have to be a pastor to you know that peace. It is for every believer to know the guarantee, to know that God has given you a mission, the good news of the gospel. So may I challenge you this morning, believer, to seek his face. May I challenge you to revisit your salvation. It's been so often we say it around here, it is good to preach to ourselves the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. To remember the gospel is not only salvation, but the, the saving work of Jesus Christ is still, the power of Christ to save is still ongoing in our hearts and lives to be used by God for those around us. So as we preach ourselves the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done, it encourages our hearts, it lifts us up from the things in front of us. To live out the good news, to proclaim that there is no higher calling for each of us as a believer. And that indeed is not only the guarantee, but the joy of knowing 
The joy that comes with knowing is not just information, not just intellectual facts. It's a joy of knowing Jesus Christ. For whom to know is life eternal. So here, we have the joy of knowing. And believe this is our peace, our confidence, and our assurance. May you bow your hands with Before I pray, this is a message that has been from the text here for believers. And maybe you find yourself here today and you say, you know, I'm not a believer. I've never come. I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I've gotten close a time or two, but I've never called myself a Christian. And maybe I didn't understand, and maybe I just don't want to give up certain things. May I invite you today to know Jesus. There will never be another more important decision to face you than this decision of what you will do with Jesus. As you've heard this morning, this decision to place your faith, to believe in Jesus, has eternal consequences. The Bible tells us that while we were yet in our sins, Jesus came to live a perfect life in order to provide himself as the perfect sacrifice. That was more than sufficient to pay your sin debt. You say, me a sinner? Yeah, just like the rest of us. Just like the rest of us who are sitting around you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he said, the wages of sin is death. What we earn by our sin is certain death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. Eternal life through Jesus. There is no other way. It is indeed a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't bribe your way in. It's owned by placing your faith and trust in Jesus. You say, I have you that Stacy? Yeah. You do it this way. Scripture lays out an example for us of confessing our sins, turning from our sins. We just call on that to God as simply and humbly. And I'm going to have words for saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. A confession. Repentance is, I will go, I will turn from my sins and follow you. And then you ask Jesus into your heart to come and save you, to cleanse your heart, to make you his child. And my invitation to you this morning is, will you trust Jesus? And so I, I might be embarrassed. <clears throat> I did this. Maybe, maybe people have already thought you're a follower of Christ because you, you kind of you kind of look like one. That's okay. People will rejoice. They'll cry tears of joy. And they'll be so happy for you. You receive Jesus. So my invitation is this to you this morning. If you're not a follower of Christ, would you today? Would you take it and receive him? We're going to sing a song in just a moment. If you'd like to, not, uh, like to know more, you can walk back now and pass your walk with me in the back and hear someone will help you with uh, any questions you might have. Or you can stand up as we sing and walk in the back. And we would love to take the opportunity unhindered to, to show you just what it means to be alone. Just look out. If Jesus is calling to you, please respond.
ครับผมเท่าไรที่มองจะสับมันได้ไหม The calm, the peace, the joy that you feel by knowing the guarantee of your crosses and living out of that guarantee each day, seeing the mission before us, taking the blessed news into our life. Of living in confidence and assurance of the power of your great God, not living in fear, not living in doubt, but living in assurance, certainty that Jesus is God. He is your God. He's speaking with you today. Would you answer him? Oh God, I thank you for who you are, for the power of your word. Oh God, I thank you that you have saved us when you know you are right. You have saved us. You have received us into your family. You have paid that sin debt. We stand forgiven at the cross. And now, as we look toward heaven, those of us who know you, we see what will be just a brief glimpse from your word, and we join along to be with you. Father, right now, the cares of life sometimes obscure of you. Lord, may we find confidence, assurance, peace in you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your care. Thank you for the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. We glory in your name. We glory in salvation that has been given to us. Speak with us now, Lord, in our hearts. Help us to respond to your word. May we, may we reorient ourselves to the mission that you've given to us, reaching souls and building lives together in love as believers, and share gospel things. May you glorify us. It's in Christ's name.